Hey everybody, before we start the Multiply Podcast, we've got an awesome opportunity to support my very own co-host, David Hurwick, and something really cool that's happening in his life. Dave, why don't you share a little bit what's going on? Yeah, we uh, I got to uh, be a part of another podcast, um, a podcast called Go Shout Love, and Go Shout Love is an organization that um, creates t-shirts based around children who have different medical challenges. And they they interview the family and they come in and they they came to our house and they filmed us in our house. And and for the month of March, they're highlighting our six-year-old daughter, Maddie, who has cerebral palsy and epilepsy. And so um, if you go to the Go Shout Love podcast, we are the newest episode, episode 48. It's called Meet Maddie. And you can just learn a little more about our daughter and our story and uh you know, it was an honor. It's an honor to be a part of this. And in March, they've they've made this T-shirt for her. She has an Instagram account, of course, that she doesn't run because she's six. Um, but my wife runs it called Amazingly Maddie, and so they've made these shirts that say Amazingly Made, and um, they're selling them in in the month of March. And and really, I just wanted to let our listeners know that if they want to know a little bit more about my daughter and our story, they can go check out that podcast. Yeah, I want to encourage you guys. My family and I are going to be purchasing T-shirts. All the proceeds from the T-shirts actually go to help um, uh, rebuild a deck and a, a ramp in the backyard so Maddie can have access to the full backyard, be able to play yeah. and interact with her sisters and have a ton of fun. So it's a great cause. If you enjoyed the Multiply podcast, check out their podcast, and you can go to their website, which is? GoShout.love. GoShout.love to support Maddie and ultimately support David. So. Without further ado, check out today's podcast. Hey, everybody. On today's podcast, we're talking with Jonathan Sigmund about leading from the second chair. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. Glad you're back with us. Spring training, huh? Spring training. Ever heard of it? <laughs> I've been getting I've been getting updates to my baseball. phone the last couple of days with spring training scores and baseball is back. I know you're not a baseball fan. I don't think our guest nope. is much of a baseball fan either. But um, you know, I'm excited as a Yankee yeah. fan. I'm believing that this is going to be a championship year when okay. all wrongs are righted. Yep. And. Uh, the Houston Astros are exposed for what they are. I think that already happened. Which is a really good team <laughs> that decided to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a Patriot fan, I can't help but uh, yeah. have some compassion on the well, Astros. Let's, let's be honest. Everyone's doing what they can to win, That's but right. they got caught. So That's it. Yeah. Well, we're glad to be back for uh, for part two with our special guest, Jonathan Sigmund. If you missed the first podcast, I want you to go back. We talk about having a productive work week, how to get the most out of your week. Mm -hmm. uh, really helpful. David learned a lot. I took mm -hmm. notes for him. Mm -hmm. And um, can't read any of your chicken scratch though. <laughs> well, we're excited. Uh, we're excited to have Jonathan back with us, Jonathan Sigmund. Uh, back in back in the in the podcast saddle saddle. <laughs> And he, he he definitely botched the first one. We're thinking that this <laughs> he'll do better this time. Uh, but he's back. And, and Jonathan, we're going to talk to you about being a second chair leader. Second, I thought the topic was second rate leader. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> second chair, not second. He's a first rate second chair leader. Ah. Yes. Well, well said. So, Jonathan, you serve as the executive pastor. Is that the correct title? 
Yes. And uh, I just wanted to clarify, this is the Carrie Newhoff leadership podcast, correct? Because <laughs> um, that's what that's what my agent told me. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I'm just don't right say place. that name again. We don't want to have any copyright infringement. So <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jonathan, you've been serving. How many years have you been serving in um, in the role you're in now? I, I've been serving uh, for just about five years. I'm coming up here real soon um, as the executive pastor in the second chair and then served uh, previously at the same church for about four and a half, five years as youth and worship pastor. Okay. Now that was about what, the fifth or sixth chair? Where does that, where yeah, does that pretty stack? much. Okay. That's more of a beanbag in the corner. <laughs> a little kid's table. Uh, us youth pastors know how it feels. <laughs> So we want to dive in a little bit and talk to you about being a second chair leader. Um, just to start things off, what are what are some things that come to your mind, Jonathan, uh, that have jumped out to you in your experience being a second chair leader that maybe you didn't expect? Yeah, well, I, I think that the the biggest foundation to me all has to do with having trust and respect between the senior leader and the second leader. I think without mutual trust and respect both ways, it's it's a relationship that isn't going to work. It's a marriage that probably is going to end or, or a marriage that's going to need some serious counseling. And so I, I think it has to start there. And, and I'm blessed to be in a situation where I feel trusted and respected and I have that trust and respect uh, up above me. And uh, But I have talked to some of my friends who, who sit in this chair and sit in this role and who aren't in that situation, and that, that can be a real struggle on a daily basis. I think when you're – Jared and I both served, um, and Jared really still, you do serve in a second chair type leadership position, and I served in that sort of a role for about 18 years – um, one of the things that you're always navigating as it relates to the leader that you're serving under is who's responsible for what decisions, who yeah. needs what information. And some, I mean, there's, there's errors in both extremes, right? Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I think that that is one of the primary tension points. It is, has to do with who has what authority. And so I think there's different ways you can answer that. I think the first basic starting point is to like have some job descriptions. And, and I think that 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 has no that's that's not sexy in any way, but it is very practical. And now we're going to have to now we're going to have to bleep that out. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I know you guys you guys don't believe in that word. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think I think that that's really, really important is is to start by start with that or, or it could even just be as basic as like for us, our senior pastor is in charge of Sunday's sermons and in, in charge of our vision. I'm in charge of our staff and then um, all the ministries that fall under the banner of our church. And so um, but even within all of that, there can be tensions as to you know, you know, which, which of these are we trying to grow and build or what are we trying to maybe even trim back or cut? Um, and, and so that's where you, you do have to collaborate and work together on a lot of that. And so, you, you know, a job description can't answer every question, but, uh, that's a good starting point for sure. Yeah. Um, what are some of the most important conversations you've had with your pastor as it relates to providing you clarity? Yeah, so one of the things that, and it took me several years to figure this out, but would be I'd, I'd run into these situations where um, I felt like this this seems like a decision 
I should make. Hmm. And, and then, but then I'd be like, but I don't know for sure if it is mine to make. And so, um, it, it really took me a while to, like I said, to figure that out. But what, what I would do is I would bring the situation to my senior pastor and I would say, you know, Hey, how would you, how, how would you like to make this decision? Do you, do you want to make the decision? Number one, number two, do you want to hear my recommendation or number three, are, are you looking for more information on this? And, and that sort of a thing. And that's really helped because what, what that sets up oftentimes is for my senior pastor to ask me and say, what, what would you recommend? And then oftentimes he will say, that sounds good. We can go with that. Or maybe he has some outside wisdom or wants to take it a different way. And that's really helpful. And then, and then even on that same conversation, I'll use it as a, as a point to again, say, you know, Hey, when, when something like this comes up in the future, would you want to be the person to make that decision yourself? Or do you want me to just make a decision and inform you about it? Or like we did today, uh, tell you about it, bring my recommendation, and then I can go implement it. Like how, on, on this type of a situation, what serves you best mm. as lead pastor? That's good. It sounds like Jonathan, um, that's one way that you've built trust and respect is that kind of process. And I'm, and I'm curious cause you mentioned trust and respect as the foundation. And I imagine there's a lot of, uh, second chair leaders or first chair leaders listening that feel like they do not have that trust and respect with, mm-hmm. with, uh, the person opposite of them. And so I'm wondering, uh, have, have there been some things that you've found uh, over the years that have been helpful to build that? Because we all know that that doesn't just happen, right? You didn't just come in with that. So what are some, yeah. what are some things that you did to build that trust and respect over the years? Yeah. So I've, I've really tried to start from a posture of humility and I'm, I'm not always there. Um, but, but I try to say, you know, I try to ask questions like, how can I help serve you? I, I even try to think preemptively about what are some of the ways or things that my lead pastor might be struggling with something and how could I help uh, fix that? Or, or what is the things that I'm hearing him passionate about and how could I put fuel on that fire so that thing can really go? And so I try to be out in front of him as best I can and try to try to ask a lot of questions. One of the things I even think about is, uh, just even what is the, what is the best communication style between the two of you? Mm. Because one of the things I've recognized is my, my lead pastor likes to be informed on most things going on in the church. Um, but if I spend time talking through every little thing that's going on, then we never get time to get to the big picture things. And so um, then I get frustrated because I feel like we're, we're dealing, we're talking in the weeds, but I know he wants to know these things because he cares about the details. And so we've just tried to come up with some different communication uh, strategies that some have worked and some haven't. But for instance, one of the things that we'll do now is I'll just send him an email that's bullet pointed. It starts with a little bold, like this is the topic. And then I write out the little details, usually put my recommendation on there because he's, he's asked for me to put that on there because we have trust and respect there. And then when we get to our meeting, he can just fly right through every single one of those items. Or if there's things he doesn't want to cycle back to, he doesn't, he doesn't even have to go to them. He can just cycle to the ones that are most important to him. 
That's really good, Jonathan. Let me let me ask you this. Um, as a second chair leader, obviously you you've been put in that place not just to serve those who, so to speak, are on your team or underneath you. And I don't like that phrase, but you know what I mean. But also to serve the leader that you're uh, serving underneath. So, what are some healthy, um, effective ways that you've learned to lead up to me- to even speak into um, the decisions that your leader is making? Yeah, well, I I think so much of it depends on the relationship and the malleability of the leader above you. Like if you've got somebody who is not interested in that feedback and, um, you know, if if they haven't asked for it, it's it's uh, it's hard. (laughs) It's a lot more challenging to to try to give recommendations and things there. They're not interested in it. I'm blessed to be in a situation where my lead pastor asks for that and says, Hey, I've, I've got an open door here. And so if you've got things to say, come say it, I want to hear it. But the other thing that I will really try to do is to, to try to build that trust and that respect is, is I will, um, even if we disagree on a decision that we're coming to, so say I'm recommending one thing, he's recommending another He's the top dog. He makes a different call. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I try really hard to stay focused on is uh, I am going to talk publicly to my team or or anybody else in our church about how I support this decision. Um, And and I'm not talking like if it was outside of ethical bounds, but I've never run into that. It's more this strategy versus this strategy. Sure. I'm going to I'm going to behind closed doors, give my opinion. And then out in public, I'm going to support that. And I just support it. I'm going to champion it. Mm. And one of the things that's like that's been probably one of the biggest temptations for me uh, to, to fail on is that when when I do disagree with a decision and another staff member wanted that same decision that I wanted, but we're going a different direction now, it, it would be really easy. And I haven't even been perfect on this, honestly, to to try to say, well, you know, I wanted this, I advocated for this, but we went this direction. And th- in that case, I can win that staff member or that volunteer to me, yeah. but I don't win them to the mission. And uh, I, I'm not trying to just win people towards me. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I believe in the mission of our church. And so I want us to go further, faster. And so one of the ways I, I have to really just stay focused on that. And uh, like I said, I have not always been perfect on that, but that is something where if, if you're not doing that, that just erodes trust right away. I think it's really easy for staff members as friends and connections to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's one thing to talk about, hey, we've got a disagreement. But then once the decision's made, I, you know, that's where I feel like, hey, it's time to get on board and let's let's make the best of this, uh, you know, how we can. Yeah. And that sort of complaining and even gossip can kind of be disguised as just work related conversation. Um, or just further uh, reflection upon a decision that was already made. And, and I've learned that sometimes it's not even, um, it's not enough to not attack the idea. Um, you also have to speak, um, for it and own it. Like you made the decision. Um, and cause sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you don't say. So if someone comes up to you and says, why are we doing this? And you just kind of shrug, like, I don't know, it's not, wasn't my decision. 
or you should ask pastor so-and-so, you know, you're basically communicating by saying nothing. I, I, I agree with you, but I, because I'm a person of integrity, I'm not going to speak, you know, negatively right. about it, but you've communicated everything that you need to. Um, when, when a decision is made that's different than what you would have wanted and it's proven to be the wrong decision, what have you learned to be the most satisfying way to say, I told you so to your boss? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I usually text you, Dave, to communicate that for me. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just a lot better way. Via Twitter. Just a lot of yes. subtexting, a lot of, uh, yes. a lot of uh, tweeting for a friend of mine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you're learning as far as what it takes to execute someone else's vision. Because most of the time when you're sitting in the second chair, you're not the vision caster. You said earlier, Pastor Bob's primary responsibilities are Sunday communication, vision casting. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm sure he does more than that, and he would like us to know mm-hmm. he does more than that. Um, but right. um, what is it like? Uh, what are some of the things you've learned when it comes to effectively executing somebody else's vision? Yeah, so I think that 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 there's been real tensions for me within that at times too because there's been times i have wanted to run in a different direction and i, I can have my own hard-headedness or what i'll call strong leadership um mm-hmm. uh, depends on which way you're looking at it but you know where where i really want something and it isn't the direction we're going or or maybe it's even that um, I see this idea that's working online that I think could be really effective in our context, but really it doesn't match the vision and values of our house and what we've been called and how we've been called uh, to, to do a thing in a particular season. And so um, I think for me, I just I I have to recalibrate my own mind and heart and honestly the times where that usually happens for me is kind of in that quiet time when i'm when i am alone with the lord um sometimes a friend will call me out on it like they'll just see it but a lot of times i'll I'll be reflecting um either at the end of my day or as i'm starting my day i'll think like man i am i am off track right now Hmm. with where where my leader is going and if I don't get this in gear, there are going to be little things that slip out of my mouth or where, like you said, Dave, I, I don't say something because, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it communicates all the things I don't want to communicate. And uh, oftentimes it is in that that time where I'm still where I feel like the Lord really convicts me and shows me, hey, you know, time to buck up here, buddy. And uh, that's really helpful. Jonathan, one of the. One of the conversations that I've had a bunch over the years, and I know um, talking with David during his time as DYD working with youth pastors, is oftentimes uh, a struggle youth pastors have is um, <clears throat> disagreements and challenges in working with their senior pastor. And mm-hmm. sometimes they're very similar um, leaders, very similar personalities, and so there's some clash. Sometimes they're very different. They think differently, operate differently. Oftentimes there's some generational gap there. Um, mm-hmm. So... What would what would your advice be to um, kind of younger leaders who are saying, "Man, I'm really having a hard time getting in line with the vision of my senior pastor." I know you've, I know you've offered some tips on how to help that um, that trust and that relationship build. Um, what would you say to knowing when it's time to say this is not a good fit for you versus it's time to say you need to you need to work harder at this and um, and make some changes? Yeah, I mean, that that is really tough. And every situation is is so unique on that. I think that if you're not excited about the vision and the values of the house, then 
that's where it's going to start to get really challenging to work together long term. And so if, if you're not on board with the mission of what the church is trying to go after, like that for me is when you got to start saying, okay, uh, you know, what am I doing here? And you do have to start asking the bigger questions and, and trying to see, is this the right fit for me and my family or, you know, long term. And so um, that to me is the big one. I think if, if you've got some, if you've got some like specific ways that you can bring to your uh, leader or leaders that you can talk through and say like, Hey, I'm, I'm sensing some tension here and you can actually just call it what it is. I think that there's a time and a place for that conversation as well. Cause sometimes it can be an agree to disagree, or sometimes maybe the senior leader hasn't even put their finger on exactly what the difference is and you calling that attention to it either it allows them to say no that's not actually the tension it's actually this or it is that and so let's work through that and then you get to decide whether that's a deal breaker for you or not if the senior leader is saying no we're, we're doing this differently or no you can't do that or you know whatever and um so but yeah i think there's there are definitely some real tension points that arise there for for any staff member and and again, any way that you can be building up that trust and respect for um, for your senior leader and then helping to garner that for them, again, asking the question, how could I serve not just, say you're a youth pastor, not just the teenagers of this church, but how could I serve the bigger vision of this house as well and not just get focused on just my silo that I've been asked to lead? Yeah, I love that. Um, I. I one piece of advice that I would have as well, kind of echoing what you said is, you know, in my experience, there was times that I thought the problem was somebody else. And what I realized in hindsight, as I went through it and, and I knew God had called me to a place or a position of leadership or, and, um, I just felt like the time wasn't right, that God was actually working in my heart. And as I came out of that situation, I started to realize much of the problem was me. Like it was my attitude. It was my perspective. It was my heart. And God was kind of using this challenging, difficult position or place or time to sharpen me and, um, and, and what he called me to do. So that'd be my encouragement. If God hasn't called you to leave, then maybe he wants to do a work in you and, um, and, uh, and, and shape you in a way that maybe you weren't expecting. John, one, so one, good. one final question for you. Um, you know, people who are listening in are serving a second chair, third chair, whatever, positions what are some benefits of this season of their life you know you've been in it for 10 years now um, I think in some ways the grass is always greener and now that I'm kind of serving as a lead or I am serving as a lead pastor um, there there are things I'm learning there is a weight to it um, that is different and um, but what are some of the things you just want to encourage our listeners like what, what do you think they should be getting out of this season of serving as a second chair what do you think they should be most appreciative of yeah, I mean, I, I think the the thing that I can often forget is that there is just simply a heavier weight at the top chair, like when you are the final decision maker. And so um, everything uh, does at the end of the day, um, you're the person who's held most responsible for that decision is the senior pastor and even bad decisions you make could affect them like that's that's just a weight that is heavy and I think that sometimes for myself I can just forget about that because 
that's not the weight I'm carrying. And so um, I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking in terms of that. And so maybe I'm impatient with the pacing of a decision or something. It's because it's I'm not I'm not thinking in in terms of being in that chair and carrying that weight. Um, so I think remembering that and being patient is helpful. And then utilizing this time to go all in on whatever you've been entrusted to lead and to do that with all your you know, with all your heart, you know, with mm-hmm. all your strength, with all your mind, just just go all in on like I, I always think if you're even thinking about how how would I prepare for what God would have me to do next, I think oftentimes the best answer to that is to just do incredibly, incredibly well at exactly what God has put in front of you today and then trust him to open up those doors. And sometimes you need to go get additional training and and you need to read and you need to, you know, all those things too. But we know all those things. I think sometimes we can lose focus on just going all in on what God has given us today. Yeah, that's that's such a great reminder because, I mean, I think we miss things in our current season because we're waiting for the next season, you know? and uh, miss opportunities and moments and, and serving in ways and growing in ways. And, and I just believe in God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. And even yeah. those who are listening who feel like maybe their talents are being wasted, their, their perspective is being wasted, uh, first off, I think all of us would benefit from just more humility when it comes to a grasp on what it means to be a leader in the kingdom, uh, but also just asking God, I want everything out of this season that you have for me. So thanks so much yeah. for sharing those thoughts with us. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Um, we want to move to the important stuff now, though, which is a little portion called David's Eats, David's Eats, where we make not just better leaders, but better eaters. And uh, in the last episode, we won't we won't reveal it if you haven't listened, but you you shared, uh, you know, uh, one of your favorite things of all time, which is a dish that none of us are able to to ever have because it's made by your wife. So um, we want to I'm going to ask you something that now I'm going to force you to answer some that maybe possibly some of us could share in, which is what is your favorite restaurant? If you're going to go out to eat anywhere, where would yeah. it be and why? And I'm guessing the Olive Garden, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, yeah, it really is a, a coin toss between Taco Bell and Wendy's. Um, but, <laughs> I get uh, it. Especially with the spicy nuggets now. It's always a coin, it's always a coin toss when you go to eat at those places. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, I think a, a place I really love in Rochester is called Good Luck. They have these killer burgers and, and fries and, and everything else. But it's actually like a huge portion that they cut it in half and you can actually share it. It's 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 kind of a communal eating thing um, with, with if you bring a group with you, not just like with strangers. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, great they, restaurant idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a killer, killer idea right there. <laughs> but I think honestly, they those burgers, they just they go down so easy that I could eat there uh, all the time. And the price is not too ridiculous. So uh, if you're ever in Rochester, definitely hit up good luck. Good luck. Well, um, I can't help but feel offended that you've never taken David or I there. Oh, I've taken David there several times. Sorry, Jared. uh, Well, okay. Well, I guess I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) Well, next time I'm there, I'm going and I'm not taking you. Okay. <laughs> got me back. I got you. Hey, thanks so much, man. This has been awesome. Uh, appreciate your investment into, uh, into our listeners. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. This has been the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you next time.